Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and today we have a WordPress hosting expert, Dustin Heil. And we're going to get into some details, how he ended up starting a hosting company, and some more interesting things like, well, I don't want to step on your story, but we're going to talk about things that you can really use like site speed and how to improve your site speed, how to stay up to date with uh, WordPress and learn some of the resources that Dustin uses. And Dustin, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And I didn't mean to discount your story. I know you have an awesome story and I'm, I'm curious. We actually don't know each other that well, so this will be new for me also. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself maybe before you started the hosting company and then we'll sort of back into how you ended up doing the work that you do these days. Sure. So um, I've had a career in IT um, and while going through, you know, IT and the corporate life of that, um, I was interested in, uh, you know, side hustles, niche sites, things like that. So I started uh, using WordPress in 2007, um, and the original like desire to be in WordPress was for those type of uh, you know uh, website side hustles or whatever. Um, and then over time, um, I was always asked technical questions, and so like being from an IT background, um, you know, I kind of leaned into the support stuff. And so when someone asked, "Oh, this is broken. How's this happen?" Um, I would kind of lean into that. And so I started doing that. Um, I started building sites for people um, as well. Um, but then I found that I wasn't really into that, um, waiting for people to like send over their new logo and changing colors 50 times and, you know, things like that just didn't interest me. Um, so um, before the hosting, I actually started um, it as a um, like WordPress help service. And then um after doing that for a while, um, one of my clients was a person that did SEO audits, and she was um, affiliate for a lot of the different hosting companies out there. Um, and so she, one day when we were on a call talking about something else, she mentioned how irritated she was with the current host she was promoting. And I just sat there and basically took notes on all the things she was complaining on. And I was like, you know what? I manage servers in my day job for a living. I can start a hosting company that doesn't do any of these things. And so that's actually how the hosting company started. Okay. And how many years were you doing like corporate IT stuff? Um, I've been doing corporate IT stuff for like 20 years now. Okay. Gotcha. And do, are you still doing it uh, like full time? I, I am an IT manager currently, and I run the hosting and service company on the side. Got it. Okay, perfect. Great. That's an awesome, you know, side hustle. Like once you kind of get the moving pieces in place, then it's kind of, I guess, fairly manageable. So how much time are you spending on on the hosting company these days? Um, it's growing more and more, uh, lately it's actually getting to the point of being maybe unmanageable. Um, so we're looking at hiring. Um, I took a recent investment, um, as well. And so the company is like getting ready to just kind of skyrocket getting the pieces in place. Okay. Super cool. And then what year was it when you, uh, 
I guess, had that conversation with a client and you were like, I'm going to start a hosting company. Yeah. So, um, that was just under two years ago that we started the hosting company. Okay. So, cool. yeah. And starting the hosting company, like actually has grown the, um, services business more. So the services business is actually slightly bigger than the hosting. Um, but it was hard for, um, you know, kind of being an entry product of the services because it has, you know, generally a higher consulting fee. But the hosting is kind of like a foot in the door now. And so people come to me for hosting and then realize that I have the other services. And that's that's what's really growing right now. And what are those other services? So um, we have a monthly um, service plan. Um, it's kind of like a uh, IT department for your website. So um, you can just focus on creating content. We do uh, daily offsite backups, um, weekly updates for all the plugins, WordPress itself, themes, etc. Um, and then uh, if any like small fixes come in, like uh, Google Analytics 4 is a big one right now. Customers are saying, hey, I need to update my code on my site for Google Analytics. And they just send me an email and I take care of it for them. Okay, gotcha. So then they just don't have to get in the weeds so much. And I'm sure you have some specific surface plan and SLA and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Yep, absolutely. All right. So did you know how to do the marketing portion when you were like, hey, I'll start a hosting company? I think, you know, it sounds like you have an IT background like me. So we didn't really know how to do marketing stuff. We're like, we could put the racks together and like do the architecture or whatever. But we yeah. probably, or I underestimated like what it is to do marketing. And actually, you know, all the IT guys are like making fun of the marketing and salespeople often, right? I don't, right. I don't know if you <laughs> did that at your place. And then I know the salespeople make fun of us too, so. Yeah. So anyway, absolutely. did you know anything about like what it takes to market a product online? Um, so as you know, learning all the WordPress stuff and um, the site things, you know, that kind of blends in with the marketing a little bit. So I, I know like a general basis of marketing, but I'm not a person who likes to put myself out there generally. Um, this whole podcasting thing, for example, uh, is very recent that I've uh, come to uh, be okay with that. So um, anyways, uh, the the main growth was the original um, person that I talked with um, at BlogAid who, you know, she started referring all of her customers. And then um, word of mouth from those people brought in other affiliates. So almost all the growth to this point has been affiliates. Um, and then uh, just in December, um, I decided to start using Twitter for um, marketing for the site too. Um, and that's been growing really good. Um, I'm just trying to uh, be the most helpful person in WordPress on Twitter right now. Um, and so I'll post threads about um, you know, how to use Google Search Console or how to set up uh, Google Analytics without a plugin. I'll just do threads like that and then I'll get filled with DMs. People like, oh, can you help me with my site? And it's it's been going pretty good. Okay. 
and I've, I guess, seen a resurgence, especially in our space for people using Twitter generally. I, I guess we hear case studies where people are like, I launched my book and ended up on like the bestseller list because I just was on Twitter for a couple of years and really like focused on it or like built my business. So it sounds like you would not have just gravitated there unless it was for a specific marketing purpose. Do you have a, like a game plan where you're trying to do like a certain number of posts per week or per day, graphics, like other strategies like that? Just kind of curious at a high level. Yeah. So um, I actually heard a podcast of a, a web designer that said that they were getting a lot of their design clients from Twitter. And like, that was the most in, in 2022, that was like their biggest inbound source. And so I was like, Oh, well that that's, you know, not the same as what I'm doing, but similar kind of clientele generally. Um, so then I was like, uh, I would, I was going to try that. Um, and as far as the game plan, I just try to post um, at least once a day, if not more. Um, and then I look for people that, are you know asking questions related to WordPress or hosting or email deliverability, things like that, um, and then uh, just you know answering in the comments is trying to be the most helpful person in WordPress, and so that's game plan. So far, it's going good. Do you have a strategy for time management? So I know if you are getting, if you're doing a good job, you're going to get a lot of those inbound questions, and it could be. I don't know. For me, I would want to throw my phone out the window from all the notifications. Not everyone reacts that right. way, uh, fortunately. So do you manage it though? So you're like, okay, from you know this hour to this hour, I'll answer all the questions and then I'll put the phone away or turn off notifications for a little while. What do you do? Yeah. So um, generally I have, um, you know, I still have my day job um, and then I also have all the clients for the hosting and the services. And so um, generally um, between those projects, um, you know, I'll just pull up my phone, look at notifications real quick, answer a couple questions like in between, put the phone away, you know, do the project. And then uh, after that project's done, like while I'm in the mindset of having to switch to a different project, I go quickly take a little, Twitter break for a few minutes and then go to the next project. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, any other specific challenges in starting the hosting company before we hit some of the more specific questions here on WordPress and site speed? Um, the, the biggest challenge is um, I, I focus on speed and security with the hosting and the security is an interesting one because a lot of hosts um, have turned off a lot of the um, hosting type software that runs on the server. It comes with a lot of security um, plugins and things. And a lot of the hosts have turned them off um, because, uh, you know, it has false positives. So like in WordPress with Gutenberg, um, you know, when you go to update um, a post, if you have like an ad, a script in there for an ad, it might trigger the security because it's seen in that WordPress is trying to pull in something from another source that's other than your site. And so it will, you know, block the person out. Um, 
And so I get um, support tickets where people are like, I can't update my site. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's security problem or whatever. Well, a lot of hosts have just went as a result to that, to not have those tickets. They just turn everything off. And so um, my biggest hurdle has been, I'm trying to draw a line in the sand and not turn it off for everyone. I'm, I work with the client to figure out what the false positive was and maybe, um, you know, make a tweak to the policy for that. Um, and that was kind of something that I didn't realize was going to be nearly as big of an issue as it has been. And I, I can understand why other hosts would turn it off, but I don't want to do that because I do see, you know, sites every single day that are getting hacked and, you know, it's growing. And, and with everything um, that has automation, now people, bad actors, don't have to have a really big background to figure it out. They can just go on the internet and search or maybe even ask chat GPT, how do I write a script that does this? And so now you have even more bad actors that are actually a problem now, so. Interesting, okay. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk about security. So what are some of the you know biggest security sure. mistakes that people make and how can we stay ahead of them? So um, if the um, hosting has mod security, um, if mod security is turned off full time, um, that's a problem. Um, installing quote unquote security plugins and thinking that that will just like cover it. And so like you don't have to um, use any of the other best practices. You're like, oh, I got a security plugin, so I'm safe. I I've heard that <laughs> many times from people. Um, one of the best things you can do that's easy and free um, is putting your site behind Cloudflare. Um, Cloudflare um, is an additional firewall in front of your site, um, and they have a lot of technology um, that um, can see a problem hitting one of the sites behind Cloudflare, and then um, like making a rule based on what they saw on you know CNN.com or whatever. Um, but that same rule is now protecting your site too. Um, and all that's available for free. Okay. And uh, quick note, you, did you say mod serve or something like that? Mod security. Okay. What, what is that um, for people it's, that uh, don't know? It, Sure. So any web host uh, or web server that is running um, Apache or Lightspeed um, can have this add-on to Lightspeed and uh, Apache that's called mod security. Um, and it has like a bunch of rules based on like different behaviors. It's kind of like a having the antivirus on your computer. If it sees a file that looks a certain way, it blocks it. The same thing, but for the server. And how do, so if people don't know what it is, is that like active already? Is there some action we need to take? Do we tell the hosting company, hey, is this implemented? Yeah, so um, if it's a cPanel-based um, hosting, um, so like if you go and you log into a cPanel, um, that generally has it where you as the user can go into cPanel and you can see the settings for mod security um, and turn it on or off um, there. Um, if you do have cPanel and you don't see it, um, you might want to ask your host like, hey, um, do you guys actually have this or... You know, did they turn it off and then just remove the link from cPanel? Um, things like that. Okay. And 
based, I'm, I'm sure it varies, but I'll ask anyway, is it typically turned on? Is it typically turned off with, um, you know, nothing set up or what is the default typically? The default is on for sure. Um, but like I said, some of the hosting companies do turn it off, um, you know, cause they've got flooded with support requests or things like that. So. Okay. Got it. And then the next one is Cloudflare since it acts mm-hmm. as a firewall. Perfect. Anything else? Those are the two biggest things. Um, and then as a new addition on the Cloudflare side, they also have um, this thing called uh, Turnstile. And um, it's technically in beta, but it's available to all Cloudflare users. Um, and um, it's kind of like a recapture. Like, you know, you, you go to fill out a form and you get the pop-up and try to click on the fire hydrants or the buses, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, turnstiles like that, um, except for it's not annoying. It doesn't have any user interaction other than potentially clicking a I'm not a robot type of button. Um, but it does a lot of things in the back end and leverages uh, Cloudflare security to um, validate if it's a real person. And uh, there's a plugin called Simple Turnstile that links up to Cloudflare's Turnstile and allows you to have that for all of your um, like comment forms, your login, WordPress login page. So um, you can, if you have it like on your login page, um, it's gonna keep a bot from sitting there and trying to spam passwords and just try to guess and get in because it's just going to block them from getting to that login. Um, and okay. it really cuts down on people's uh, comment spam too. Okay, great. And one, one thing I like to do, actually I'll give you two, and then you can tell me if, if it's good practice. So for sure. uh, several years, I've been using a plugin that changes the default login screen for WordPress. It changes the URL mm-hmm. so that someone can't yep. find the login so they can't uh, brute force it. So is that, is that a pretty good one? Um, it's not generally like it's, it will get maybe the uh, lowest level of attackers, but um, the good ones that's are going to be able to find it anyway. Um, so doing something like the turnstile is a better option where it's just going to literally block those bots from the form. Okay. How, how do they find it? if it's like some random characters? So you can just, um, they, they make uh, like scripts that will just try like everything. Okay. And a, a robot will just sit there and just keep trying different things. Um, if potentially um, something in your database gets leaked where they can access the database, then they can see the URL and okay. things like that. Okay. And I'm thinking still if it's like a, you know, random, I don't do it exactly like this, but if you treat it like a password where it's like 16 characters, uppercase, lowercase symbols, like right. it's going to take a lot, pretty long time to <laughs> brute force that one. But okay. Yeah. The other um, sort of security, which is kind of just like the fail safe, or at least in my head, is yeah. um, there's vulnerabilities. Something could get hacked even if you do everything right and yep. offsite backup. So at least if you catch it, you can revert back. So that's kind of like the thing in my back pocket that makes me feel comfortable, even if yep. I know I'm not doing everything right. So is that 
good or bad? Hundred percent. Offsite backup is the biggest thing that I push for everyone, um, because not only um, for your site security, but even the host. Like you have issues where. Um, a host server gets infected and you need to quickly switch to a different host or um, a uh, host data center catches on fire or something. Like a couple of years ago, um, there was a very um, big data center that affected many hosting companies that they were all like leasing space out of it. Um, Many people lost their sites down for a few days until the host could like recover things where as you as a site owner, if you have a um, backup stored in like Amazon uh, S3 or Google Drive or something like that, um, you know, you could restore it yourself to a new hosting provider within, you know, an hour or two maybe. Whereas, you know, a hosting provider that might have thousands of sites that they got to recover, you might not be at the top of the totem pole, you know, so. Okay. And yeah, I've experienced that with, you know, a hosting company. I don't know. I can't remember. It was not a physical failure, but it was like uh, a dumb mistake. Like they admitted it. It was like an admin accidentally like put in the wrong command and like trashed a couple racks. And so it was like thousands of sites and they had backups that offsite backups, which was cool. I already had an offsite backup, but they had a way to restore it. However, they did not account for the bandwidth needed. So it took like four days. So they were like, we're doing it, but it's going to take a little while. And I stuck with them because, you know, after they made that mistake, they're never going to make that mistake again. Right. Luckily. So, okay. Yeah, for sure. Scary. Yeah. You, everything's fine until it's not. And then <laughs> there's not much you could do afterwards. So, okay. Yeah. So let's move to WordPress stuff. So what are common mistakes that you see people making with WordPress? And again, how can we avoid those? Um, the biggest thing, the most common thing I see is sites loading up on plugins. So um, plugins aren't inherently bad, um, but there are um, every plugin you add to your site is another security potential risk because um, the plugin um, owner might get um, their site their site hacked and you download the latest update for whatever plugin you install it and then now it's on your site so the least number of plugins um, the like smaller your attack surface is right um, so there's that um, and then uh, if a plugin, you know, is bloated or whatever, it could slow down your site. Um, it could have um, also third-party calls out to, um, you know, like other services. And like that service, like let's just say that it uses like Gravatar or something to like pull in like user images. Um, and so the plugin is doing that. Well, what happens when? Um, one of those Gravatar images gets replaced with an ad code that's like loading another site as a pop-up. So your website goes out and pulls in that image, but it's really a piece of code. And now all of a sudden you've got a pop-up loading on your site that you didn't put there. So um, plugins is the biggest thing for security. And it's also generally the biggest thing for speed outside of images. So um, 
the biggest, the best thing you can do is, you know, really think if you actually need the functionality that that plugin is adding, not just add the plugin because someone said, hey, this is a great plugin. Well, even if it's a great plugin, if you don't really need that functionality, it's not worth the trade-off of, you know, it being a attack surface for someone um, or it going out of date or it causing other um, even uh, just like bad interactions with other plugins, you know, it's like um, the plugin vendor might test their plugin and say their plugin's fine, but a piece of their plugin might interact with another plugin. Like uh, recently, um, Elementor, um, which is, you know, really popular page builder, um, it's been having some issues since PHP 8. And it's not Elementor itself, but it's uh, just a weird interaction with some other plugins. So it's not affecting everyone. But it affects people that have, you know, a couple different plugins and also have Elementor. So you get just, you know, weird things. So the more you can limit the plugins, the better. That's exactly what I did when I first started using WordPress. Because you, you don't know it until you put too many plugins and then you realize, like, everything's going really slow. For people that think they need a lot of plugins and they have some that they really, you know, they say they really like, how do you coach them to trim it down? Do you have any tips on that? Yeah. So um, the, the biggest thing is kind of figuring out what their needs are and what they think they're getting um, from that plugin. Because um, even a lot of times I find that um, many plugins, the functionality that they need might be one line of code in a functions file. You, so you just can add that one line of code to your function file and then not need the whole plugin. So um, that that's a thing. So, um, you know, to discuss it. I, with most of my clients that I run into this with, I have a conversation with them. And I'm like, hey, so, um, you know, what are you using this plugin for? And sometimes they're like, oh, uh, I don't even know what I'm using this plugin for, and so we can just get rid of it. Uh, other times, they're like, oh, well, you know, it makes the the sidebar link flash or, you know, just some weird effect. Um, and so we're like, okay, do we really need that? Like, and then if it turns out yes, then we say, okay, is that function, are we using the best plugin for that? Um, and um, if we are using the best or aren't using the best plugin, is there another plugin that does the same thing, but from a more reputable vendor that puts out updates frequently? Um, or um, is it something that can be replaced with a, you know, just a little snippet of code? Okay, great. And I ran into this once where someone I was coaching, I think they had a few plugins that came with their WordPress theme. So they, they didn't know what they did, but we didn't know if they were used. We didn't know if they were critical to the site. Is there a way to test to see what a plugin does if you don't know what it does and the documentation isn't very good? Um, yeah, so what we usually do in that scenario is we'll spin up a staging site. So that's like just a clone of the real website, um, but it's not the you know same domain as everyone's actually going to. And then on the staging site, we'll just turn off the plugin and see. We'll do a you know quick overview of all the different pages or types of pages, um, and just see if anything broke. Okay. 
So you just gotta you gotta check it out and see what happens, but do it on a staging site, not a real life production. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we've talked a little about site speed and I guess in a general sense, I'll let you talk about why site speed is so important. And if there's stuff that you, you know, haven't mentioned or that you want to emphasize about site speed, we can get into that. Cause you already mentioned image size and number of plugins, but I know those are really critical. So we could you know, really underscore it. But yeah, why is site speed so important? So site speed is important. Um, Google, you know, came out a couple of years ago and made a big deal of Core Web Vitals. Well, it turns out that that wasn't necessarily a thing. That was a little bit of a scare tactic because there's still sites that don't load fast that still ranked just fine. Um, but it is a kind of secondary metric where if you have two sites that have equal like authority um, and Google's looking for a tiebreaker, they're probably going to, you know, um, look to the faster site. Um, but what it also can happen is um, what I've seen is Google uses um, a lot of user metrics. Like, so users behavior, um, like how long they stay on the page, um, you know, if they're going to multiple pages on your site, you know, those type of metrics. Well, if something's taking forever to load, people are generally not patient. And so that's going to affect the metrics um, on the user metrics. So even if speed isn't necessarily the direct cause, it could also affect your rankings based on, um, you know, user metrics, someone not waiting for the page to load and just clicks back. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And I know... One one of the ways that I've heard heard the test, which is is pretty good, because if you're you know at your own house, fast internet connection, everything's fine. But to you know load your your site right. when you're on your phone, mobile, maybe the best thing is like when I'm inside a store and I don't have a strong signal, just to see how it loads in yeah. like a very poor condition, and right. then, then you get a really good idea of like a real life situation versus like best case scenario. So, all right. So what, what are some things we could do to help our site speed? So um, the biggest thing that I see and probably like 75% of people, they're loading images that are way too big for where they're being displayed. So, um, you know, most people um, have sites where the, the layout um, of the theme the image might only be like 800 or a thousand pixels wide, or you know, even on a smaller side with a sidebar, it might only be like 600 pixels wide. So, you know, if someone just takes a picture with their iPhone or whatever, you know, that might be uh, 4,000 pixels wide. So that's going to have an image um, that the browser is going to shrink visually, so it looks smaller, but the file size is going to be that really big file size. So the best thing you can do there is to optimize the image and resize it before you load it on your site. Um, and so what I recommend for that is there's a free tool um, and it's at squish.app. That's S-Q-U-O-O-S-H dot A-P-P instead of dot com. Um, and that's a free image optimizer. Um, it does compression and also resizing. Um, as far as compression goes, I like to pick the Moz JPEG option 
um, because it gets it um, just as small as WebP usually, um, but it also um, works on every browser, whereas um, WebP is still not fully supported on every browser, for example. Um, and then as far as the resizing goes, um, I say uh, generally 1,200 pixels or less. Um, and 1,200 pixels is still kind of big for most sites. However, um, if your site is in an industry where Google Discover is important, Google Discover wants 1,200 pixel wide images. So um, if it's going to be like your main featured image, 1,200 pixels wide, um, and then if you know it's going to be like an image that goes on the sidebar, it's never going to be, you know, bigger than 400 pixels, then obviously resize it down to the 400 pixels instead. Okay. And then is there a rule of thumb for the file size as well? So I generally like to see them like under like 150 uh, kilobits per, um, and, but when you do the resize on Squish, you're going to pretty much get under that as long as you're under 1200 pixels wide. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's, that's one of the big things. And like, once you go through the exercise, you're like, Oh wow, that's a very big difference. What yeah. about the tools that resize after you upload to WordPress? What do you think of those? So um, it's generally better to do it before. Um, there are plugins like um, Magify and um, ShortPixel. Um, they are kind of an 80% option. And why I say that is because um, they uh, have two things. One, um, they might over-optimize the image. Um, if the if you have some images that are already optimized on the site, and then it goes and re-optimizes, it might make them look not as good, like blurry or something like that. Um, so sometimes you get those over optimizations, um, and then also by default, most of them have a where it stores a copy of the original. Well, um, that has a problem of it's filling up your hard drive space on your uh, hosting. And so you might be paying a much bigger hosting bill just to hold over those images. So if you are going to use one of those plugins, make sure that you turn off the option to store the original. Um, or uh, alternatively, um, you can keep the original just in case you run into an over-optimization situation and you need the original back. Um, but then go in and make sure you go to the folder, like for example, short pixel, I know makes a folder in your WP content called short pixel backups. Um, and then just delete that once you know you're good to go. Um, so what I do for clients that have uploaded a ton of images already, um, generally we go um, and run one of those plugins um, just to get the back catalog. Um, and then we remove the plugin and then going forward, we, use Squish and have them, you know, do it ahead of time. Um, also, we'll manually go back, even on the ones that um, we ran the plugin to get the back catalog of, you know, for the old blog post. We will go and manually do, like, things like the logo and any images in the sidebar or footer that load everywhere because you want to make sure that those look, you know, good to go. Whereas, okay. you know, a blog post from five years ago, eh, it might not matter as much. Okay. One thing that I I always cited, I don't know if it's true, but you could correct me if I'm wrong. So 
those plugins, sure. they're running on your server. So they're taking up memory, processing power. Is that accurate? And I, I was thinking, you don't want to do that. You want your web server to work on serving the website. Yeah, so um, a lot of them do do that. Um, the the one that's the worst for that um, is Smush. That, that one's a really popular one that is free. Um, and it definitely runs it on your server and will slow down your site um, while okay. it's running. Um, Imagify, um, for example, I know that they send it off to their um, server and then they send it back. So um, it's not going to slow down your server itself. But if it's during a heavy traffic time, the sending of it might um, have some effect. Um, but uh, that's generally one of the best ones to do is like Imagify because it does do it off your site. Okay. And then it would just be like someone loading the image. Like it just pulls the image and then it'll send it back. So right. I right. wonder, do they have a setting where you could, you know, do it during like a maintenance time frame, like Saturday night at 2 a.m. or something like that? That'd be pretty cool. I think, I, I think by default, it just does it when you upload it. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So we're, ta we're talking images. We already talked about reducing plugins. What are some other things that help with site speed? Um, you need to look at um, what scripts are being ran. So like lots of things run JavaScripts. Like if you're running um, ads on your site, so the ad companies will have all kinds of scripts that will run to load the different, you know, dynamic ads and things like that. Um, and then uh, if you look at um, many sites with like the mobile menu, so like, you know, your full site has the menu bar across the top, but then uh, when it goes to mobile, it switches down and you just get the hamburger button. Well, that click of the hamburger button to display the whole menu, a lot of times we'll be running JavaScript. So um, just like looking at all the different scripts that are running. So if you run any of the speed testers like um, web page test or GT metrics, um, and then you switch to the waterfall tab, it will show every single thing that is loading. So you can look at, okay, here's the big images, here's the scripts. Um, and so you can see if those scripts are ones that you actually need. Um, and then also um, in the optimization slash caching plugins like WP Rocket, for example, you can go and you can say, um, defer the scripts to load at the bottom or um, only load the scripts once I've clicked on the page or scrolled down. Um, that can break things though, because some parts of your site might need those scripts to run. Um, so you, what you do is you um, run your site without any of those types of optimizations on, see how it looks, see, look what scripts are running in like GT metrics and make a list of them. Um, and then uh, once you turn it on, if say your mobile menu stops working after you turned on the optimization to defer the JavaScript, you can go and be like, oh, um, I saw a list. I had a, my list of scripts. This one probably is the menu because it could be like um, menu.js or uh, a lot of them run in jQuery. Um, and then so you just go into the um, like WP Rocket settings and you say exclude jQuery.js or exclude menu.js. And then that way it will load it normally um, and then it will just defer all the other scripts. 
Okay. Cool. Any anything else with site speed? Those are the big things. Um, I think if you go like any deeper, it gets in the realm where you kind of need to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to really start breaking your site. Okay, great. One follow-up tying into plugins and whether or not we have an option to take that functionality and actually like code it. Maybe it's really simple and you don't need a plugin to do it. How can someone do that if they don't know how to code? Like who do they turn to, to even try and figure out if this is possible? Well, I have a service that does that type of work. Um, but outside of that, um, if you just take into Google, um, like what the function is um, and do a search, um, a lot of times you'll find um, like forums um, that will have people talking about that functionality. Um, and like if it's something specific for a theme even, um, I know like I see like in Cadence uh, support form they have uh, or generate press, they'll have, you know, someone will be like, hey, I need this functionality. Um, and then the developer will put a, you know, a script, a script that will say, hey, put this on your, in your functions file and it will do that. So that that's one way that you can find a lot of those um, quick things. But do caution if you don't know, like you said, coding, um, make sure that it's like the developer of the plugin that is, or, or uh, developer of the theme or something like that, that is making the recommendation and not just, um, you know, a really unknown person. Because you can, you know, accidentally put, something that will break your site or even something potentially malicious on your site. Okay. Quick example of that too. I wanted to no index my archive pages or any sort of archive type pages. So I just found the code for right. it instead of using, you know, some of the SEO plugins have that functionality, but I wanted to bypass for whatever reason. And it was simple enough to, yeah. to code it, I maybe had to change a couple files. I had an offsite backup. So if I destroyed the whole thing, I could just revert back. It's always dangerous yeah. if you don't know what you're doing. And I was literally, you know, copying and pasting a couple minor tweaks and it worked fine. And it was, it was fast. I didn't have to mess with it again. So. Right. Yeah. Definitely on those backups. Yeah. It, it's like, it sort of gets you out of jail pretty easily. And you yep. can just push a button, restores it, takes a couple minutes, very straightforward. So, okay. So you started the hosting company. What are some things that set Uridium hosting apart from, you know, maybe like the quote, big box kind of hosting companies out there? Sure. So um, it really comes down to the personalization of support. So, um, I only deal in WordPress. Like you can um, run other, um, you know, like Joomla or Drupal or whatever on my hosting. It will work. Um, but I do things specifically to optimize like the PHP settings, for example, for WordPress. Um, and then um, when it comes to like a support request about a WordPress website, um, I'm not just giving you a generic answer. I'm actually, you know, pretty knowledgeable in WordPress. So I can, you know, be like, okay, here's what's actually going on. Um, here's what's going to, 
um, fix it for you, or um, this is being caused by a specific plugin and I can tell them which plugin is breaking their site so they can go talk to the plugin developer and get it fixed. Um, not just giving, you know, reading out of a book. I don't have a book to read out of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say one of the classic things that that I hate from the, the support, uh, specifically what you're talking about where they're reading from a script, they say, oh, you know what, just turn off all the other plugins and uh, then see which one right. and, then, and then just turn it, like get rid of the the offender. And I'm like, well, I, I need that to run the site. And the one I'm thinking of, it was like a course management software. Like it was the, right. it was the core piece of functionality the site had to have. You know, you can get rid of some other stuff, but like that's the one it, we needed to have. So, all right. And I'm curious, do you have any specific like success stories from clients that have seen like specific improvements after moving to Iridium? Yeah, um, I have a lot from budget hosting providers that um, once they move, um, whether it be their site speed increasing um, or their server is not shared um, with uh, as many people. So um, that's, that's actually another uh, thing with Iridium is I um, limit to um, the number of people that can be on per server on the shared servers. And then um, I also do a lot on the VPS side where you get your own dedicated resources. Um, but even on the shared servers, um, they uh, I, I keep them to a few clients instead of having hundreds of sites. So if um, someone, there's a lot less chance of, you know, the IP getting on a blacklist or something from just some random person signing up and, you know, using that to be their spam solution or whatever. Um, so uh, definitely um, I see a lot of clients that they're moving from uh, those type of budget providers, they do get a uplift in their search traffic. Um, and then um, also uh, I, I, when I do the migrations, when I migrate people to Iridium, I put them behind Cloudflare, like that's just part of the thing. Um, and so they're getting uh, better site speed. And so that's gonna improve their metrics, their security, things like that. Okay. And with the Cloudflare, the, the benefit is the CDN portion of it? Yeah. So the, both the firewalls for the security stuff, but then also the CDN portion of it too. Um, that really helps uh, if you have a um, topic that is either national or global. Um, because while, while you can have an optimized site or optimized server, that will be faster without using Cloudflare it may only be faster for your local area. So like if I have a server in, here in Washington state, like I can optimize it, make it super fast um, without having Cloudflare in the way. However, if someone over in Europe is coming to my site, it's going to be slower than if Cloudflare was in front of it. So for, as far as raw performance goes, you can be faster without Cloudflare because just going direct, but um, to be faster for everyone and for multiple situations, um, you can't beat something like Cloudflare. And for for people that are in a budget, I, I think Cloudflare has like some free level of 
service, right? Is, is that pretty good too? Like it's better than nothing, right? Yeah. No. 90% of my clients are on the free plan. Um, even sites that um, get millions of hits a month are on the free plan and working just fine. Okay. And with the paid plan, what like what extra do you get then? Um, so there's a couple different paid plans um, and like add-ons. So there are um, the, the main um, like upgrade plan upgrade um, gives you more security options. Um, it gives you a couple more um, protections, but then also it allows you to have more rules. So if you have specific, like if you're running a membership site and you need to exclude um, certain pages from caching um, and you want to bypass Cloudflare for, you know, um, having it where it will save um, like their progress in the course or whatever. Um, you might need to create special rules at Cloudflare to get around the caching. Well, by default, the free plan only allows you to have three rules at Cloudflare. So the paid plan allows you to have more rules so you can you know, tweak it to fit your needs. Okay, cool. So how do you keep up with the latest, say like WordPress updates or trends or you know, security issues and just stay up to date? Um, I follow um, the like main WordPress announcements. Um, also, um, follow several of the um, big theme developers, um, like the genera Generate Press team, Cadence theme, um, Brainstorm Force, which does Astra. Um, like having those those people that are um, very well like deep in WordPress and constantly making changes they're finding a lot of the problems and potential things to look out for. Um, so following those is generally the best way I've found. Do you, actually, I'll, I'll, let me rephrase. So do you have a specific WordPress theme that you just kind of favor? I won't make you say it's your favorite. I know you probably work with a lot of different, you know, um, well, companies. I, I, I do actually have a favorite. All right, what is um, it? Cadence has been my favorite for the last few years. Um, that being said, um, on the, at the same level is Generate Press. Those two are really uh, good. Uh, good teams behind them. They load super fast. Um, generally, the only reason that I prefer Cadence over Generate Press is Cadence seems to have um, more of the uh, starter themes that fit designs that my clients might want. So um, you can, what, what I actually tell a lot of people to do, especially if they're just starting like a blog or a niche site is, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money and design. You could literally just go to Cadence and go and look at their starter templates, find one that you like the layout, you know, you gotta look at it. You know, the, the theme might be for like a pumpkin patch website. Like I saw one of my clients the other day that asked for this starter template. It was like pumpkin patch website. That's that's not what she was building. But if you look past the images that are there, it had the structure of what exactly she wanted her site to look like. So um, we were able to just load in that starter template and just change the images and the content out for her uh, specific niche. And you know she was good to go. Like she didn't have to pay 
you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for design. Um, I think that one required the um, Cadence Pro. So, because um, some of the templates are available in the free Cadence um, theme, which is good to go for most users. Um, if you do happen to want one of the templates that is Pro, obviously you need the Pro, but, um, you know, that that's a quick way to get a full site, you know, within a couple of hours, you can be up and going and not have an excuse of, oh, well, I need my design, you know, just go get your logo done and then put a starter template and start going on your site. Because I, I feel like, um, you know, so many people get hung up on getting started because they, they you know, spin their wheel with like, everything's gotta be perfect and, you know, that type of thing where if you just go and you get one of these pre-made templates, you know, you can just get going right away. And just to be clear, so Cadence does have like a free option. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and both, ge- both Cadence and Generate Press have free options. Perfect. And then they have like, you know, child themes or something like that, that uh, I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, some customization where you could like, is that the right term? Child theme? That that's uh, not what they're calling them these days. They're calling them uh, starter templates. Starter uh, templates. Same okay. idea. Same okay. idea. So starter template, and then you can kind of hone in on exactly what you need. Okay, great, awesome. Well, I think we're coming towards the end here. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I, I should have asked you, or something that you want to mention specifically? You know, WordPress hosting site speed, anything? No, I think we covered the basis for most people. Awesome. Well, cool. Dustin, this has been a lot of fun. And I usually don't go too deep into the WordPress stuff. I just kind of, you know, move on once I solve the problem. But so it was good to revisit it. Where can people find you? So um, I just started using Twitter um, for business. So Dustin Heil at on Twitter. Um, I'm trying to be the most helpful person in WordPress in 2023. That's like my personal goal. Um, so reach out to me there. Um, and then iridiumhosting.com for the hosting and the other services. Great. And just so people know, Iridium, who, who's that for? Who, who are ideal clients for you? Um, ideal clients are... Um, uh, Niche site um, owners and also um, other small businesses generally. Um, we have customers that are you know just starting out from zero um, all the way up to um, ones that have like four million page views a month. So we kind of have the range, but I focus on WordPress based sites generally. Perfect. All right. We'll link up to all the stuff so people can get to it really easily. Thanks a lot, Dustin. We'll talk to you soon.